In this sicha, we're going to be discussing both something related to the parsha as well as a siyum and mesech tekinim. This is a mesech that deals with the carbonis of birds. Mesech tekinim is also the very last mesech in seder kachim, so it's also a siyum on seder kachim. In the parsha, it says regarding a ledus, a woman that has given birth, needs to bring carbonis. She needs to bring a keves, a sheep, for a carbon oila, a ben yoinoi terlechatos, a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a carbon chatos. The Pasa goes on to say, if she cannot afford to bring the sheep, she then could bring two birds, either two turtle doves or two young pigeons. One will be a carbon oil, one will be a carbon chatos. In connection to this, the Mishnah says in the end of Mesech a woman that took upon herself and said, I'm going to bring a set of birds when I have a baby boy. That means she's taking a vow upon herself to bring an additional carbon besides what the Torah has obligated her. To bring one as a carbon oil and one as a carbon chata, she's going to bring an additional set of birds. So now, if she gives birth to a boy, she needs to bring two sets of birds. One is going to be for her vow, her neder. The other one's going to be for what the Torah has obligated her. She gives them to the koyin. The koyin needs to take three of these birds and apply the blood to the top half of the mizbeach. One of those birds' blood is going to be applied to the bottom part of the Mizbeach. Reason being is, because the birds of her vow are going to be, both of them are going to be a carbon oila. Out of the birds that she has the obligation to bring, because the Torah gave the obligation, one is going to be an oila, and one is going to be a carbon chatos. The halacha is, as it says already in the beginning of Mesech Tekinim, that a bird, when it comes as a chatos, it's done on the bottom half of the Mizbeach. When it comes as an oil, it's done on the top half of the Mizbeach. So we have three birds on the top, one at the bottom. The Mishnah then goes on and specifies the halachis of what happens if various different mistakes or doubts had happened, exactly what it is that the woman had taken upon herself, and whether the koyin actually brought them in the right manner. In other words, there could be situations that she took upon herself to bring one kind of bird or another kind of bird. And there's all sorts of doubts that could have crept up and also whether the Koyin had done it properly. The Mishnah concludes with the biggest amounts of doubts that could have taken place. It's a situation where she took upon herself to bring the birds of two different species of two different kinds. We also don't know exactly how the Koyin applied the blood to the top part of the Mizbeach or to the bottom part of the Mizbeach. And the Halacha would then be that she needs to bring another four birds for the vow that she has taken, another two birds for the obligation that she had, plus a carbon chatos. Ben Azai says she has to bring two chatois. The Mishnah then goes on to say, Amar Rabbi Yoshua, and this part of the mission we're going to see doesn't seem to be directly connected immediately to what we're just speaking about. And this is going to be part of the discussion. How does this all come in? Amar Rabbi Yeshua. Zeu she'amru. This is also the saying that people say. Kishu When an animal, when a sheep, when a, when a, le, when a sheep is alive. Koiloi echad. It produces one sound. And when it dies, shiva, we have set, it produces seven sounds. How does it produce seven sounds after it died? Because you could take the two horns and make two trumpets out of it. You could take the two thigh bones and you can make two flutes out of it. You could take the skin of the animal and use it for a drum. You could take the stomach of the animal and use it for a navel as a type of a harp-like instrument, a lyre. 
You could take b'nei of the intestines and make harps out of them. And then the yesh oimrimon, and another thing that could be even made out of it is the wool being taken for tchelis. What's the connection between this and what we just said? So there are mefarshim that explain the words of Rabbi Yeshua, and they say that when he says zeu she'omru, this is what the, what what the, what it was said. When the sheep is alive, etc., is that just like by a sheep, that it's specifically through the fact that now the 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 sheep died. There's something that's less than the way it was before. And yet, now the sounds of the sheep are, have increased even more than it was before. Or there's more mitzvahs coming it right now, as the Rambam puts it. So you get seven, or even eight, if we add the yesh oimrim from the trelas. So, so too in the dinim of the birds, by the Yeledes. That originally, all she had to bring was one set of birds for her neder, one set of birds for her obligation, and it's specifically because of the mistakes that had happened and the doubts that had happened, because she doesn't know exactly which birds she had promised to bring, and the Koyin doesn't know what he has done, it's because of this, now she's going to have to bring seven or eight, according to the other opinion, Benazai's opinion, she's going to have to bring this many carbonis. However, the Rebbe says, according to this Pirush, we need to understand, number one, this idea that even if something originates as one thing, and specifically because something now in a certain sense decreased or became worse, now it turns into seven, seemingly we could find many other examples for this. The Rebbe says, let's use a very, very simple example of possessions, and properties or possessions, which is coming down by Yerusha going over as an inheritance from a father to seven or eight heirs. So as long as the father was living, it belonged to one person. Now when he dies, his children are inheriting his possessions. Now they belong to seven or eight people. So here we have, first of all, an increase in how many people this belongs to, but also in the mitzvahs. How many mitzvahs can now apply to it? For example, there will, will be a mitzvah of peah or bikurim for each portion of the field as it's divided to each individual, just like over here, you have many carbonis being added now by this woman. From the fact that Rabbi Yeshua brings the exam, this particular example of the animal that died, now we have the seven sounds coming out of it, it's understood that somehow this example, the content of it, is somehow more fitting to our case more than any other example that we could have found. We need to understand what is this common theme and what is the idea. The Rebbe says, we cannot say that the reason this example that we just gave of Yerusha wouldn't fit is because by the birds, there is no actual difference in the carbonos that she had to bring originally. Those original carbonos she still had to bring. There's only an additional amount of carbonos. Whereas by Yerusha, you're going to say the person who left the inheritance, the father, for example, is now gone. Because the Rebbe says, let's look at the example Rabbi Yeshua does give. He spoke about an animal that died, and now you have seven new sounds. So the original animal is also gone. So therefore, that example would have the same problem as the example of the Yerusha where the father is dying. Because by the animal as well, by the lamb as well, you, as sheep, you also don't have the original sound that it produced when it was alive. Another question that Rebbe has is, when we bring an example or a marshal, it's usually to help us understand something a little bit clearer. Especially in our case, the Rambam says the reason why the example was brought 
because this seems to be a bit of a strange situation. So Rabbi Yeshua gives you an example that it's similar to what's said about this sheep that dies. So the Rebbe says it's not understood. What do we understand more now that we have this example of this particular sheep dying and when it was alive to produce one sound and when it dies, it has many more sounds. A further question that Rebbe has is, Simply when we look at the words of Rabbi Yeshua, when he says, Zehu Sha'amru, this is what they say. Rabbi Yeshua doesn't say it's similar to what's said. Kemoy Sha'amru. He doesn't say, what is this similar to? Or other expressions like this. Rather he says, Zehu Sha'amru, this is what they say. This is what was said. In other words, it sounds like he's not only coming to explain the dinim of our mission regarding the birds, it sounds like he's also coming to explain, and perhaps even more so, he's coming to say that with this din of the birds, we'll now understand the saying that is said about a sheep that dies and has many more sounds. Zehu shamru, this is the pshat in that saying. The Rebbe says seemingly, this idea that when an animal dies, it had one sound before and now you can make it produce so many more sounds, this seems like a very simple, natural thing, you don't need any explanation. We need an explanation for that. Zehu Sha'amru. Furthermore, the Rebbe says, even if that statement somehow does need some sort of explanation, you would say it's not the idea of a Mishnah or any area of Torah generally to come giving explanations on sayings that people say. So we must say that when Rabbi Yeshua speaks about this idea of this sheep, that Keshuhu Chai, when it was alive, it was producing one sound, etc. Rabbi Yeshua is not just giving us a nice muscle from a saying of the world. Rather, he must be telling us also something that's somehow connected and relevant to some sort of halacha. And that's what he means, that once we have our Mishnah, Zeu Sha'amru, now we will have a certain clarification, a certain explanation in a certain halacha that's related, that comes out of this idea that you had an animal that was alive, and now somehow it changed, and somehow our mission is going to be able to clarify a certain halacha, that our mission about the karbonis that the Yoledas bring is going to be able to clarify a halacha that's related to this concept of the sheep dying and many instruments coming out of it. So Rebbe now moves to the next part of the Mishnah, and again we're going to need to understand what's the connection. The Mishnah goes on and says, Reb Shimon ben Akashi Oimer, Zikne Amayoritz, Amoritz. When Amoritz gets older, calls Manche Maskinim, the older they get, Daiton Mitarefisalaim, the more confused they get. He brings a Pasik, Mesir Sofal and Amonim, that Hashem removes the language of the faithful, the Tams Kainimika, he takes away the reasoning of the elderly. Bad Zikne Toida, the elder of the Talmud Chachamim, are not so. Rather, the older they get, the more their minds are becoming settled. Again, he brings a pasig, that in the elderly there is chachma, and with long life, there is an additional wisdom. The connection to the previous statement that we just said seems to be that just like we said earlier, with the sheep that dies, as it dies, there's more sounds being produced. In a similar way over here, that the Ziknei Torah, the elders of the Torah, the Talmud Chachamim, the older they get, seemingly they're getting weaker, and yet there's something additional coming, there's more Chachmah. This is the way the Mepharshim explain it. But again, the Rebbe says we need to understand. First of all, 
Why do we need to be speaking about the Amayarits? How does that help us anything? Why do we need to be speaking about that the Amayarits, the older they get, the more confused they get? Secondly, regarding the Amayar, it's, it seems to be something that doesn't even need to be said at all. It seems to be something very, very obvious. That usually a person gets older, gets weaker, and it also brings a certain weakness in their wisdom and in their understanding. Furthermore, this part of the Amayar, it seems to be the opposite of what we're just trying to discuss in the Mishnah. We were just discussing from the Mishnah the idea that we're trying to say that rather than deteriorating, there's something being increased. Like the Talmud Chachamim, or like that lamb that after it dies, it now becomes even more. Question is, what was, what's being added? Why we need to be speaking about the Amayarits, which is going the other direction? At the very least, the Rebbe says, we could have just added it after speaking about the Talmud Chachamim, that the older they're getting, the wiser they're getting, and the more settled their mind is getting, we could have added an additional thing that the opposite will be by the Amayarits. So the Rebbe says, the point of the explanation in all of this goes as follows. From this din, regarding the birds, we actually have a certain chidush, a very big chidush. And that is as follows. Initially, the Yoledes had an obligation of bringing one set of birds. One for a oila, one for a chatos. In our case, because she took a vow upon herself, she also has to bring another two birds, two birds for a carbon oila. Now, as a result of various different mistakes and doubts that happen, both by the woman and the koyin, now there are some new obligations coming where more carbonis need to be increased. And as we said before, in the maximum case, they'll need to be brought even seven or eight carbonis, additional carbonis. So what's happening over here? We are obligating this woman to bring carbonis to offer up in the base HaMikdash when it's possible that she's not obligated in them at all. It's possible that the carbonis that she should have brought were brought the first round when everything was fine. In other words, it's only a doubt. We're not sure whether the carbonis were brought correctly, whether the blood was applied correctly. But it is possible that she got her full atonement already. She finished her obligation completely. So all the rest that's being brought now are not really carbonis. It has a din of what's called chulin ba'azara. Regular animals or birds that are being brought that are not even carbonis. They don't seemingly have that full kedusha of a carbon. The Rebbe says, all would be well in a case where, the, where there is, what's, there's a certain cases that we say, let's say a woman, there was a suffix, it was a doubt whether she gave birth to a child that, that, that uh, needs to be, be, a carbon needs to be brought. So when a carbon is brought in that case, the Rebbe says, that would be, as the, it's implied in the Gemara, that here we have a situation that the Torah tells us a chidush, that even if there's a doubt whether she gave birth, even if there's a doubt she became Tommy with giving birth, so then she also needs to have a carbon for kapara. And that will allow her later to be able to eat carbonis, etc. This would be similar to another famous concept we have, something called the Asham Tali. There's certain times that the Torah tells us that if you're in doubt whether you did a sin, you have to bring an Asham Tali, and that's going to bring a Kapara for the Suffolk, for the doubt of the Aveda you did, and this will keep you atoned for until such time that you might find out for sure that you did sin, and then you'll have to bring a carbon Chatos. So that's one case where the Torah itself is telling you that because of the doubt, you'll have to bring a carbon. But in our case, what happened over here was we, there was an absolute Chiyuv, a clear Chiyuv, what she had to bring, exactly the original thing that the Torah gave her and the vow that she had taken. The doubts that happened afterwards, afterwards, either because of her knowledge and her awareness or the Kayin, 
is all a question whether she has done her obligation. In other words, it's possible that she was completely finished with the obligation already. So the question is, who says that she can now go ahead and bring these extra karbonis? How is she able to bring these extra karbonis? Furthermore, what gedder do they have exactly, these seven or eight karbonis? Are they considered proper, full, real karbonis if the whole reason was only because of a doubt that she had or the Kayan had? This is what Rabbi Yeshua is coming to explain with his statement about that sheep that died. Well, that he says that when it's alive, it makes one sound, it produces one sound. And when it dies, it produces seven sounds. Now seemingly, you could ask, it seems to be a contradiction. The sounds that it's going to make after it dies, these seven sounds, from the horns, the trumpets, etc., are the sounds of these horns, etc., nothing to do with the sound of the sheep itself that it was, when it was alive. So what do you mean, koiloi, the sheep is now producing seven sounds. It's not the sounds of the sheep, seemingly. These are the sounds of the horns, the, the thigh bones, etc., etc., the trumpets that will come out. In other words, when the sheep dies, the original sound is completely gone. Now we have new sounds from the horns. And yet, what is the saying? We say that when it was alive, koiloi, its sound that it made was one. And now we're saying, koiloi, the sound the sheep, this sheep is making, is making seven sounds. In other words, we're still saying that those sounds are still coming from that same sheep. This is helping us understand the gather of these carbonates. That is... That even though, yes, it's true, these carbonates are only coming because of doubts that happened after she has seemingly, possibly completely finished off with her carbonates of chayva. Those original carbonates would be like the original sound of the sheep. Now there's just coming extra sounds or these extra carbonates because of the doubts. What we're saying is that these carbonates also have that gedder as if they are 100% proper choiv, proper obligation. Just like the original karbonois, like we're saying about these extra sounds coming from the sheep, it's considered the sound of the sheep. Now, the Rebbe says, this idea that even karbonois that are coming because of a doubt, and yet we should say, it should still have an equal obligation like the original one, the Rebbe is going to give now a few examples for this idea that sometimes we could say, that sometimes the thing that was that came about should in a certain sense be stronger than the reason that caused it. In other words, we're starting with a doubt. It came because of a doubt, and now this carbon is a carbon that's like a chayv, an absolute obligation. So in a certain sense, it's stronger than that which caused it, which was a doubt. So the Rebbe is going to give two different examples for this concept. Number one, the Rebbe says, we have a dinner of a sukkah. So in a sukkah, we put on schach, and we could put on different size branches and so on on the top of the schach. If there's a board, a piece of wood that is wide for Tfachim, you're not allowed to use that. And the reason is because then that already starts being more similar to a ceiling, etc. Now what happens if you turn the board on its side, which is obviously much, much thinner. It's not for Tfachim. The halacha still is that it's absolutely possible. Once this board got a name of Psul, in other words, once this board is considered puzzle, it's considered inherently puzzle. The expression is it became now as if it was a metal pole, a metal spit, which becomes puzzle completely no matter which way you turn it over. What do we see here? Even though the original reason why should it even be puzzle is because of exeda that it should be similar to a ceiling. 
And that's only going to be when it's lying on its wide side, its wide fort Tvachim. Nevertheless, now it became so possible, it became inherently possible, like those metal spits, and therefore it will be possible even in a situation where seemingly you can't say that there's the gzeda looking like a ceiling, it's lying on its, on its side, which is very thin. And yet we say it's 100% possible. Another example that Rebbe gives, the famous words of the Chassam Soifer. He discusses the second day of Yom Tov of Shavuos. And he says that the second day Yom Tov of Shavuos is considered more chamur, more strict than the second day Yom Tov by other Yom Tovim. Why? In other Yom Tovim, the second day is always coming because of a doubt. We don't know which day Yom Tov is, it's because of a doubt. Shavuos, there is no doubt. Shavuos, the second day Yom Tov, is a vaday. That means to say, Shavuos is always based on the, being the 50th day of the Omer. So there's no doubt which day Yom Tov is. It's going to be the 50th day. So the first day of Yom Tov is definitely the day of Yom Tov. And nevertheless, we celebrate a second day of Shavuos only so that it shouldn't be different to the other Yom Tov. We have two days Yom Tov Pesach, two days Yom Tov Sukkot. We have two days Yom Tov Shavuos as well. So what happened over here? The whole reason for the second day of Yom Tov Shavuos is for this, to be similar to the, Yom, the second day of Yom Tov of Pesach and Sukkot. So that it shouldn't be different. Those days is only based on a doubt. And yet we say this day of Shavuos, because it's not even a doubt, we're doing it, we specifically want to celebrate a second day Yom Tov, it now became stronger than the doubt where it originated from. It's stronger than the second day of Pesach and Sukkot. So again, in summary, what the Rebbe is saying is, so far, that the point that Rabbi Yeshua was trying to make about this land that was alive and made one sound, later made more sounds, etc., etc., is coming to clarify regarding these birds that this woman is bringing, even though it's coming because of doubts and, and, and mistakes, etc., now become full-fledged carbonists regarding every single area. Says the Rebbe, now we could also explain the other way around, that this halacha of the birds is actually going to help us understand something about the sheep. Where we said that when it's alive, it produces one sound, and when it's dead, it produces, produces seven sounds. As we said earlier, that simply it sounds like he's coming to explain that saying of the world. In other words, the Rebbe puts it, lamed lamed. The say, meaning to say, the story of the sheep came to teach us something about those birds, about how strict or how serious those new birds are coming, our carbonis are, but in fact, now we're also going to learn something about the sheep and those things that come out of the sheep. And this is going to be connected to a number of halachas that are related to a sheep when it's alive and what changes when it dies. And the Rebbe gives one example. If you have a sheep that was worshipped as Avoid Zorah, now just to clarify, we're going to be speaking about a sheep that was worshipped as Avoid Zorah in the next little while, the whole time we're speaking about a sheep that was worshipped while it was alive. Just to clarify this halacha, the Rebbe doesn't go so much into it in the sikh over here, but if the something is not alive, it was worshipped, it would definitely be asur, anything and all of its derivatives is completely asur all the time. The issue is, if an animal is alive when it was worshipped, so it's not really asur for other things, outside to be used for the base Hamikdash and mitzvahs, etc., it would be allowed to be used once it dies. A living animal didn't become Osir, but for the Mizbeach, and as we'll see other mitzvahs as well, it does become Osir. So again, we're speaking about a, a living sheep that was worshipped for Avodah Zorah. 
The halacha is that for the mizbeach it would be posel. Now, after the, the sheep is dead, it's still osur as for various different things for mitzvahs. And now the Rebbe continues. In the Gemara we find a question. Yes, shinui lenevad or ain't shinui lenevad? Which means to say, if part of the animal went through some major transformation, it was changed completely from the way it was originally, is it still osur? The Gemara says, the example over here, the Gemara says, this is the question, if someone bowed down to an animal, later we take the, sh- the wool of that animal, could you use it for treilis and tzitzis? It just says for treilis. Could you use it for treilis? The question over there, which treilis we're referring to. So it could be used for treilis. What about the horns? Could you use it for trumpets? What about the thigh bones? Could you use it for the, for the flutes? Could you use the intestines for the, for the strings of a harp? Says the Rebbe, so here we have an afkemina lahalacha in this saying regarding the sheep of when it was alive, it was producing one sound. And when it's dead, it's producing seven sounds. That is, even though this trumpet or the shoifer from which we're, that we're making from these horns of that sheep, that's dead right now, is completely removed from the sheep. And we changed it, we transformed it. And seemingly those sounds are no longer sounds of a sheep. You can't even say it's the sounds of the skin or of the thigh bones. These are sounds now of trumpets, of flutes, of drums, etc. Seemingly these are seven sounds that have no connection to that original sound of the living sheep. And yet what do we say? Koiloi shiva. The sound of the sheep. The sheep is making seven sounds. That means even as it's seven separate sounds, we still say it's completely connected. As far as halachis of the Torah are concerned, that means to be using something from a sheep that was worshipped for Avedizara, to use it for Hashem, we still consider it as if it's the original sound of that one living sheep. And it no change, even if something, a transformation physically happened, it still has the same halacha that this is something that was worshipped and therefore cannot be used for Hashem. Now, within this itself, we can also look at it in two ways. One way of understanding it is that the fact that you cannot use those horns for the trumpets and the thigh bones for the flutes is only because it's originating from a sheep and the, from the sheep that was worshipped for Avodah Zarah, and therefore there is still some Easter to use it for Hashem. But you wouldn't say that it's mamish the name of Avodah Zarah is being applied to it as if this was worshipped in, in relation to being able to now use it for Hashem. Because at the end of the day, it was transformed. Or we take it a step further. No. The fact that these horns are puzzle, to use as shafers, as trumpets, is just exactly in the same way as the sheep that's puzzle for the Mizbeach. In other words, it applies to them the name of Avedizar as if they were worshipped in relation to anything that's to do with using it for Hashem. And therefore, they, they are considered despised, despicable to be used for Hashem. What's the practical difference if we're saying it's just a derivative coming or this is itself Mamash of Edezara? So the Rebbe says in the first way, since it is transformed into a new thing, we would say that the Isser then is only Medera Bonon. In the second way, if you're saying this was Mamash worship, then it's Mamash and Isser Doiraisa. This is what was worshipped. And therefore you cannot use it for Hashem. And this is what Rabbi Yeshua means when he says, Zehu Sha'amru. This is exactly what was said, that Keshehu Chai, when the animal was alive, it was producing one sound. Now it's producing seven. 
In other words, that our halacha from our Mishnah regarding the karbonas that the Yoletas gives, which we said is going to be that these karbonas are considered full-fledged karbonas, is going to give us an explanation regarding the living sheep and the dead sheep, that just like by these karbonas, even though, yes, we said the whole reason why they became an obligation was only because of a doubt, it became a doubt regarding in the original, because there was original birds that she was chayiv, and now there's a doubt whether she did them properly. And yet we say these new carbonoids are exactly like that original voice, in other words, like the original sheep, they have the full-fledged din of a carbon, in the same way as regarding a sheep that was worshipped for Avodah that will say that even though technically these horns and the thigh bones were all changed, they all seem to be something new. And seemingly, how could you say this should be possible for the Mizbeach? In other words, seemingly it shouldn't be in the same way as it was when it was attached to a living sheep. And yet you say, when this sheep is dead, it's still producing those seven sounds. In other words, they now became, they became inherently puzzle. Just like as if they became parts now of an Avodah itself. In other words, Avodah the fact that it was worshipped, still applies to them. And therefore, they are also to be used for anything for Hashem. And that's now applied to these horns, to the thighs, etc., etc. In other words, the fact that they become possible to be used for trumpets and for flutes is because they themselves are now considered despicable to Hashem. Now, the Rebbe says, this idea of the example that we give of the sheep, that when it's alive it has one sound, and when it's dead it has seven sounds. There's still one detail over here that's not completely similar to the carbonates that the Yeledis brings. And as the Rebbe will continue soon, this is why we're going to bring another Maimar Azal regarding the Talmidei Chachamim and the Amiyaretz. What's still missing here? Says the Rebbe, by the sheep, what we're emphasizing is, we're focusing on that there's one thing, one negative thing, so to speak, that happened, one cause that happened, and that is that it died, complete compared to when it was before alive. So yes, you have seven sounds that came out, but what the thing that happened was a one-time thing, it died. Compared to when it was alive. By the carbonos, we actually, there's a number of different cases, a number of different mistakes are all adding up together. The Koyen had not discussed with her which one of the carbonos is the Oilo and the Chatos. She doesn't know what she actually gave. He doesn't know what he ended up doing. And so there too, there's going to be a difference whether there was one type of bird that was promised or two different types of birds, etc. In other words, because of every additional doubt, every additional problem, let's call it, now there's another carbon that needs to be brought and another carbon until ultimately seven or eight carbonates need to be brought. So this is not exactly the same case as before, that there was one death of the animal and this just brings about with it seven different instruments. This is why the Mishnah now continues and says, Reb Shimon ben Akashi Oimer, Ziknei Amiyoretz, the elder of the Amiyoretz, calls man shemaskinin, the older they get, they get more and more confused. Ziknei Torah, the elder sages of the Torah, calls man as long as they're getting older, the more their minds get settled. In other words, here we have this aspect that there's this nakuda of it's not only a one-time thing, the more time goes on, the more of an issue on the one hand it will be by the Amoretz and by the Tamut Chacham the other way around in the positive. And this is why he brings first about the Zikni Amoretz that the older they get, the more confused they get. That is, 
Reb Shimon ben Akashi is saying that when a person is getting older, now even by the Talmud Chacham, he's getting weaker, the Koyach of his Guf is getting, is deteriorating, and yet his Chacham is getting stronger. That is, that Alpiteva, the Seichel, is getting weaker, as we see it clearly by the Amiyaretz, and yet by the Ziknei Torah, their minds are becoming more and more settled. That is, even though their Milo is, and the first cause is the fact that they are Talmidei Chachamim, and therefore seemingly it would have been just enough that they're not getting worse and worse, that they're not deteriorating, losing their minds, as opposed to the Ziknei Amiyaretz, that their minds are getting more and more confused, which was just mentioned in the Mishnah. The Chiddush is even greater. That their Chachm is actually increasing more and more, getting more and more perfect and whole. Even more than it was by the Tamidi Chachamim before. This is the detail that we're trying to focus now on and the similarity of those birds that were brought in Karbonis. Because by these Ziknei Torah, the older they're getting, again, it's not a one-time thing. One thing happened, and now they have lots of Chachmah. But every day that passes... On the one hand, their goof, their body is getting weaker, and Alpiteva, they should, the Seichel should be getting weaker, as we see by the Zikni Amiyar, that Kolzman, as long as they're getting older, their minds are getting more confused, and yet the opposite is happening. The more time is passing, the more their, their Seichel is improving. Now the Rebbe says there's actually even enough Kamin Allah to this, this will also be relevant to Sanhedrin, we know that it's supposed to be Bali Zikna, elderly people, so again, someone older, there's a certain advantage over here, the older they are. And the Rebbe says, going back to the, to the laws of the birds, that every single Yerida, every single Suffolk, is adding more carbonates. Like by these Talmidei Chachamim, every time seemingly they should be deteriorating, and yet there's more Chachma being added. The Rebbe now turns to Pnimi Yisoyen of what's going on over here, of what Rabbi Yeshua is saying, and specifically the connection to Rabbi Yeshua specifically. Because we know that it says that Stam Kinim, generally the Halachis, of these halachis in Mesech Kinim was said by Rabbi Yeshua. And the Rebbe explains, Seder Kachim generally represents Yidin, the way they are, a Goy Kodesh, a holy nation. In fact, even Mesech Chulin, which is part of it, is also part of Seder Kachim. At the very, very end of Seder Kachim, we're explaining the law of a Yoledes, a woman that has given birth, which generally represents the Geula of Yidin. It's known that Golos is compared to a pregnancy, and the Geula is compared to the birth. The Rebbe brings the Nevuah of the Geula, that there's a situation of labor, and then a birth, as Tzioin gives birth to her children, this is the Geula. Rabbi Yeshua is concluding and explaining how it is that we manage at the end of Golos, and we come finally to that moment of birth of Geula. And this is what he says, Kishu Chai, Koyo Yechod, when the lamb was alive, when the sheep was alive, it was producing one sound. And when it dies, it's producing seven sounds. It says in the Medrash, Adrianus Omar le Rabbi Yeshua. Again, we're speaking about Rabbi Yeshua. Adrianus said to Rabbi Yeshua, G'doy lo hakeves. Wow, how amazing and great is this sheep? Referring to the Yidden, managing to hold out strong amongst the 70 wolves, the 70 nations. Rabbi Yeshua responds back, Godel who are great is the shepherd that is saving it and protecting it and ultimately breaking and crushing those wolves in front of the Yidden. So here comes the question. We understand that when Yidden are in a state of a living sheep, then we can understand that they're being protected. Generally, what would a living sheep be? 
when the Yidin are living in a similar way to the Avois, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, they're living the way they're supposed to be living. We understand then that the shepherd is guarding them. The Yidin are like that living sheep that Rabbi Yeshua was talking about. But if Chas Vishalem, they are more compared to a dead sheep. In other words, the levels of the Avois are not shining in a revealed way inside the Yidin. Now we suddenly have as if it's seven different sounds coming out of them. In other words, we don't have that one unified sound of the Ovois that's shining inside of them. Rather, now we have Yidin that are so different to each other, such different categories to each other. How are they still being protected? And this is what Rabbi Yeshua says. When it seems to be that it's dead, the sound of that same sheep is seven sounds. What is it referring to when it's dead? The Rebbe quotes another Medrash over here on the Pesach, Gefen Mimitzrayim Tasiya. The Yidna compared to a grapevine that Hashem takes out of Mitzrayim. The Medrash says that just like the grapevine is alive and it's relying on the branches, Eitzim Mesim on, on branches that are seemingly dead. So in a similar way, the Yidna are alive and they're relying on the Avais, who, although they passed away already, the Yidin are constantly relying and living off the Avais. That means, the fact that Koyle Shiva, the fact that there are all these different sounds and categories amongst the Yidin, it's not a completely separate Metzius, a new Metzius, outside, away from the original. Rather, it's still originating from that same sheep, from the same live sheep, which in other words is that live sheep of the Avais, the sound of the Avais. Because they are the Avais of each and every one of all, and all of the Yidin. So just like the Avais, they all had one sound. They had one sound to Avinu Shabashamayim. So too is by all of the Yidin, with all of their various different sounds. They're standing at seven different levels in their Avoidus Hashem. But in all of them, there's the Metzis, there's that idea that it's all really the one sound of Avinu Shabashamayim to our Father in Heaven. And each one of the different sounds, each one of the seven different sounds, is all part of the Hakoil, Koil Yaakov, the sound that Yaakov makes, which as we know that when the sound of Yaakov is there, then the hands of Esau have no power, and Hashem continues protecting the Yidin. And this is what Rabbi Yeshua is saying. That the fact that all seven different sounds, different levels, are still alive and well, is all because that even when, even though when it seems to be it's not the same as the original, we're still relying on the Avois, they are still giving us that chayis. Says the Rebbe, the question however is, yes, it's all very nice. That God, the shepherd is so great, protect, so great protecting us and watching us. But as the Rebbe says, how much, how much can we be amongst these 70 wolves? Such a tremendous long arichos of galus. Says the Mishnah. And the Rebbe now continues with the next part of the Mishnah. That what happens as a result of being in a long time in Galus? The Rebbe quotes the passage that the Mishnah said, "Be yeshishim," and through oirech yamim, through the old age and long life, there's additional chachma and additional understanding. Just like we find by Yitzias Mitzrayim, that although they argued we're ready to give up on all of the great wealth, as long as let us get out earlier, quicker out of the Galus, and yet the Eibush just says, "No, I want you to have all the wealth." In a similar way over here, the Panimius idea of Golos is to elevate all of the sparks. And we take along all of the silver and gold with it. We are Mavadar, all the sparks in our portion in the world, and then the Geul is a more perfect one. And therefore, the longer the Yidin are in that Golos, so they gain all of these extra things. 
However, the Rebbe concludes, nowadays we surely had all the zikna, all the seva, all the ripe old age already in Golas, according to all opinions. Zikna muflaga, we definitely had the longest old age already. And if even chas v'shalem, there's another few moments left to this zikna, to this old age of Golas, that all of these chashboyinus, all of these calculations should be forgotten. The Rebbe says, even though we say, Hashem doesn't forget anything, but the Rebbe says the whole idea of Golos is beneath the level of Kisei HaKovid. And there there is a possibility for Shikha. So therefore all ideas of Golos should be compl- and Cheshboina should be completely forgotten. And it should be Nigol in Miyad immediately we should be redeemed. Ba'agolo didan l'mata me'asarat fachim through Mashiach Tzedkeinu.